You're listening to the Morning Announcements, your non-binary public radio. Basically, your NBPR. We're your co-hosts, EJ and Canny. Today we're talking about what everybody's talking about, the election. <laughs> I don't wanna, but we gotta... Well, at least there's some good news we can talk about since we're still waiting on the results for the presidential race. Yes! We'll talk LGBT victories and local triumphs, as well as some of the overall issues with today's political climate in the U.S. Enjoy today's edition of The The Morning Morning Announcement! The first thing that we get to talk about today, which is super amazing, um, are all of the trans and non-binary victors from yesterday. A lot of LGBTQ victors, a lot of BIPOC members of the queer community. So that's really exciting. Um, But the first one that I was thinking about was Maury Smith. Um, They are a non-binary legislator now in the state of Oklahoma. So that's freaking awesome. Yep. Especially in Oklahoma, like... Yes! I mean, you know more about Oklahoma than me, but... Well, I just know it's pretty Republican, Mm, I guess, as far as as I can tell. I don't remember what it was like driving through there, but... (laughs) I've heard it's, um, like, very similar in political climate to Texas. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, giving them so much love today. Very excited for them. Um, You can follow Maury on Instagram... At Maury, M-A-U-R-E-E, Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R-O-K. That's their handle. Um, Maury uses she, they pronouns, which a lot of their election stuff was she-based, and a lot of the references I've seen of them in media have been she pronouns. I get it. The fact that they won in general, like, huge deal. Huge. They're only 27, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) We'd love to see it. We'd love to see the young queers taking over. We do. (laughs) Um, And also uh, Sarah McBride. We should talk about Sarah because Sarah's amazing. Sarah is now the highest elected uh, trans official. She's a state senator in Delaware, but that's like huge. The fact that there's a state senator who's trans. Oh, absolutely. So dope. Huge. And there were a ton of other ones. Like I think... um, there was uh, a f- the first queer uh, person of color in the Rhode Island legislature, there, uh, who is Tierra Mack. Um, there was uh, first openly by state legislator in Colorado, and there was another by mayor, I think like the first by mayor. Oh, the big awesome. year for bisexuals. Shout out to all of our bisexual friends. Shout out. Congratulations. Um, we love them. And then another one, Adrian Tam, was a story I was really excited to read about. So Adrian Tam is the only openly queer state legislator in Hawaii, and he defeated his opponent, who was a neo-Nazi. Oh, my God. I heard about yes. that. Yes. Yeah. So basically, oh my God. like... So basically... The guy who he beated was, like, the founder of the Hawaii Proud Boys, and the Proud Boys are, like, a really fucked up white yeah. supremacist group that's, like, really kind of active here in Oregon. Um, so yeah, apparently Adrian beat this motherfucker. So yeah! Take that! Hell take yeah. that! Take that! 
Absolutely. I can't wait till our entire like governing, like our government systems in general just become more gay. Like I want it. Mm -hmm. I want it so bad. It's the gay agenda. The gay, yeah, the gay agenda. You know, just take over. You thought it was a joke. Everybody thought it was a joke, but here's the thing. Gay agenda is essentially like five-day weekends and recognizes brunch as like a fourth meal of the day. Yep. Gays get so much done in so little time. Exactly. And people just don't respect it. People do not respect queers for how much they have to do in such a small amount of time with so little resources. Yep. So that's why we're so crafty. That's why we're so good at so many different things. That's why we can't it's, drive it's because we are in a hurry. We don't understand. <laughs> and that's why we can't do math because math is just too Who hard. Who needs to do math when you have a calculator? But yeah, I was really delighted to see some of those smaller races yesterday because, you know, I think my eyes were pretty much focused Tuesday on the presidential race, which is still, by the way, not been called. We're still waiting on about six swing states as of it's Thursday afternoon ish so i don't think we'll know until tomorrow although i've heard reports that we won't hear until like the weekend for some of these mail-in states uh (laughs) tell me how you really feel Uh, oh my god i just am like i'm so anxious Mm. and i was talking to some people Mm. the other night and they were like well i don't think that like they're literally talking to like cis straight white men that's a terrible idea I know, but they were saying that they didn't think that, like, there would be any changes in rights, which, Uh, like... Of course there wouldn't be for them. There never have been. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I I don't know if things would change in regards to, like, gay marriage and everything um, with the state of the Supreme Court, just because, like, that would be an insane legal battle. But it could happen. it could happen, but, like, it would be an insane legal battle. Like, people would The do. thing that would happen first like, is we would lose our health care, which is what I'm more scared about, is that they'll say oh, insurance yeah. companies can drop us for religious purposes. And my health care, my yep. health insurance is through a religious. How many hospitals are St. Whatever? Like, there's plenty right. of religious health care services. And That's these true. places might not be openly transphobic, but they sure as hell don't mind saving money. Like, if we're going to look to insurance companies to be morally just to spend more money, that's not going to happen. Nope. So that's what scares me. And the the fact that the Supreme Court is filled with people who don't recognize me and want to treat me with dignity. The the dignity is like the word that I've been thinking, like this whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, what does it actually mean to live with, to, to live with dignity and to have, you know, your rights cemented in that dignity? Mm-hmm. Like to me, yeah. it's a lot about Seriously. this idea of social stability, which I was thinking about the other day. And it's just to me, social stability means that you can move safely. You can move like Chris Evans through the universe, and nothing and no one will harm you except your own anxiety. Don't be scared, baby. You're great. Yep, for real. Unproblematic. Yeah, will age like fine wine, just like Paul just Rudd. Like Paul. But imagine being like that straight cis white man and moving through the world. And how different your views would be. Like, oh I think God. about my brother, who we talked about this a lot mm-hmm. because he voted for Joe Jorgensen. And I'm so mad. <laughs> for like five minutes. I was furious. Oh, because geez. one of the things that I heard a lot of people say was you need to vote understanding the consequences for other people. Understanding that you are mm-hmm. voting for the rights and dignities. You're voting for children in cages. 
And to me, the third party vote, because he totally did it because he's like trying to be edgy or whatever. And like, I can't bring myself to vote for Joe Biden. Fuck you. Fuck you. Can you please vote for somebody who at least isn't actively trying to dismantle my rights? Yeah. I blocked his. I didn't block his call, I, but I definitely like screened his call the other day and denied it. And then he texted me and I never Ooh. texted him back. <laughs> I'm ghosting him. I'm mad. I don't blame you. I'd be mad, but I mean, I think that my parents voted for the Tito. Oh, so really, mm-hmm. my mom told me you might just get what you want in regards to the presidential election. Um, Is that a threat? So that and like, was that supposed to be a threat mm-hmm. from her? No, it wasn't a threat. It was just like an acknowledgement mm-hmm. that like I voted for Biden because mm-hmm. she was like you voted for Biden right and I was like yes and she's like well as mm-hmm. in like she's she's acknowledging that she might be the loser in this situation that her person might yeah. lose I sure as shit mm-hmm. hope so let's see we're still right now Ugh. we've got two different conflicting reports from the AP and CNN which have different methods for collecting the data so right now we've got 264 for Joe and 214 for Cheeto uh, President Trump on Google and about 2.53 and 2.13 on CNN. So we probably will not know until Friday. Yeah. Um, but that being said, yeah. despite the like turmoil of the presidential race, some pretty cool state stuff happened, at least in my state, which mm-hmm. is another thing, I guess, I hope people take away from this is like, you have to be so involved at the local level. Like that's where real change happens and it sucks and it's annoying. And yeah. Like, I mean, some people like to be policymakers, you know, that's a whole profession. There's a reason why people need to like go to school to do that shit. But like, at least like, yeah, you know, I really appreciate how Oregon votes. Like we vote by mail as a default. We, there aren't like Mm -hmm. poll polling things. Like there's no machines. That's how we did it in Ohio. You know, you go and you like open the curtain and close the curtain. It all feels very, yeah, no, that's how you do it. It feels very sexual. feels oddly sexual. I don't know why. Actually, in Texas, you have like a little booth that's not, there isn't even a curtain. You have to do your business. Like you have of, like in front of others, in front of the eyes of the Lord. Yeah, people can walk by and see who you voted for. <laughs> um, in Oregon, you get like that. They is send you a like they send you a test booklet in Oregon. They send you like this massive pamphlet with all of the issues written out, the support and opposition for for all the issues. People can, like, unions or other organizations or religious groups or other candidates can endorse measures and things like that. But you actually know what you're voting for. Like, you you don't have to, like, go Googling the information. The information comes from you. It's like a take-home test. It's so easy. So Mm -hmm. much easier than any other method of voting. I think everybody should vote by mail all the time. Yeah, well, our postal service sucks. Our postal service is great. It's just the dumbass in charge of the postal service that sucks. It's like trying to sabotage everything. Like, we can't... We see you, bitch. We see you. You're not sneaky. Yeah, we see you. you think we can't track that shit? Now it's 2020. Yeah. Well, I know someone who didn't even get their ballot. Like, the Postal Service said that it was delivered, and he never got it. Do you think someone stole it? I don't think so. But it might have gotten lost in the mail. Why? Nope. He couldn't fix it at all? Well, it was an absentee mm. vote. Yeah. Like, like an actual absent, not trying to vote by mail because of COVID, but like an actual absentee ballot. 
Yeah. No, like an gotcha. actual absentee ballot because he was in yeah. a different state. Damn. Yeah. That sucks. So, that yeah, sucks that hard. sucks. They make it so hard to vote. They make it so fucking yeah. hard. And after voting I know. here, voter suppression. And it's so easy here. It should be easy everywhere. I know. It should, but it's not. Hopefully, we can change that in the years to come. I also want, um, it's called yeah. STAR voting, and I don't remember what the acronym STAR stands for, but it's something to do with, like, ranked voting. So, basically, like, say okay. there's five choices for president, and your number one choice gets knocked out, then your vote then counts for number two. So, like, in that case, if Weird. you wanted to vote third party, you could vote third party as your first choice, and then if they didn't get, if they didn't reach a threshold of a certain number of votes, they would be disqualified, and your your vote would go to your number two choice. So that, that vote is not, like, thrown away. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, it makes yeah. sense. Okay. The things, okay. The things yeah, that I'm excited seriously. about for Oregon, though. So we decriminalized minor drug possession. So, like, if, you, if you're caught with, like, a little bit of heroin, instead of, like, going to jail, you go to rehab, hopefully. Like, the idea is to eliminate mm-hmm. incarceration for drug penalties, which I don't know if you know anything about mm-hmm. um, Portugal, and their drug laws, but Portugal decriminalized drugs. They were like the first country to do it in the EU, maybe even the world. And instead of criminalizing it, they made it so that if you get caught and you're like ODing or you're like going through something, you get therapy, you like go to rehab, you have to like, you have to mm-hmm. testify in front of a, a panel of experts, including like a doctor and a therapist and, you know, all these people. So I'm hoping that works here, but. We also have this problem here where we have great services, yeah. but they're underfunded. Um, like we have a service here yeah. that is called Cahoots and you can literally call them instead of the police. Like if you see somebody in crisis, like um, we have a lot of transients yeah. here, which is like historically part of, if you've seen the documentary Wild Wild Country, there's like some interesting history behind how a lot of people got to Oregon. Um, but also like, the climate here and the like laid back culture here. I, most of West coast States have transient issues, but that doesn't mean that there aren't ways that we can have transient members of our society that are treated with dignity and have access to resources. So I hope that, I hope that that, right. that decriminalization and like funneling some of our weed tax money towards that drug treatment too, was like part of the bill. I was really mm-hmm. excited about that one and uh, psilocybin therapy. So like, treating trauma with mushrooms also cool Oregon and the third one that I was really excited about is putting a cap on campaign contributions so it's not just like the wild wild west oh that's nice yeah nice man I wish that that was the case here but our pretty much everything went red and the entire state like the democrats Mm -hmm. held their spots like they didn't lose any yeah. spots, but like they and didn't get uh, cannies and like Texas for reference as well. So that's you know not necessarily a surprise, but I did hear so much about Texas going blue. I know I did too. They expected it to go blue, and it just like some major mm-hmm. counties went blue. But like, what do you think the discrepancy it wasn't was? Enough. Honestly, I I don't know. I think that people were too too. Um, maybe too cocky mm-hmm. like they thought that like maybe they were just they were just yeah too maybe cocky, like that but... um they assume that everybody is gonna vote so they're like oh no everybody's gonna vote i heard it's fine so I've, if i forgot to vote it's okay but that happened with like a bunch of people <laughs> that yeah there was a um historic turnout like there was like 
historically huge hmm. turnout of voters this year. But um, they were hoping that early voters would vote for for they Biden, for Trump but they did didn't. they not vote for president? Hmm. No, they voted for well, I was, Trump, I, I think. I did see some um, because, Twitter oof. discourse um, about hearing reports of of Republicans who would vote blue for Biden, like vote blue on the presidency. And I'm hearing this happened in states like Georgia and North Carolina and some of these other red states, which maybe this happened in Texas and other ways too, but I guess not since he didn't, since Biden didn't win Texas. Uh, but people, Republicans voting blue for president, voting Biden for president, and then red for everything else on the ticket. So even in states like Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you know, Wisconsin, Maine, Virginia, some of these some of these states where he won, New Mexico, Arizona, where Biden won, and there are conservative people voting blue, you know, for that for that big race and then red down the ticket, which is kind of unfortunate because a lot of times those local and state laws and lawmakers are the ones dictating most of the facets of our daily lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, like the yeah. difference between Trump and yeah. Biden was huge. It was like... Wow, in Texas? Yeah, That's the thing, like, even when... Like, even if people didn't... Oh, sorry. Even if people Mm -hmm. didn't vote for Joe Jorgensen, like, he still Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been close. Like, it was like 46% to 52. So, it was a landslide. That's the thing that's kind of scary is... Well, really scary. And, I mean, I think a lot of us who you know, lived through the 2016 election after like my Obama was my first election that I voted for. 2008 was my first election. I just turned 18, like a couple months before. And I met Michelle Obama um, at an event where she was campaigning for Barack and she was amazing. And I hugged her and it changed my life. And I voted for him. And I remember when he won, we were all like crying. We were so happy. And it was just like this moment of joy. And he won again. And in 2016, you know, I was really active. I was really politically active. I had been active. I continue, I, my activism ramped up when Bernie lost and when Trump won and, you know, the women's March in January of 2017 was a big deal, but that really has, like, I haven't been to marches mostly because of COVID. And as many of you know, I have the immune system of a little winny bitty baby squirrel that's maybe been hit by a car or two. Um, so I haven't been active that way. I mean, I'm still very outspoken and very outspoken with my family, as you can tell from my cussing out of my brother, cutting out my brother from my life momentarily. Um, but mm-hmm. I also feel as though it's it's that sense of camaraderie that I got from protesting, that sense of festival of... Um, I miss that. I hate that it's a dangerous thing right now. I hate that protest. That's something that's supposed to be joyous and a way to speak truth to power has become a war zone. I mean, it is a war zone. There are people being killed at these protests. And yeah, that's not something that you get rid of by voting someone different into office. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a deep wound. That's a deep trauma. And having um, done some done some work on like the the way trauma impacted the communities of Northern Ireland after um, the troubles there, which are a period of violence 
um, from the 60s to the 90s, and even before then and after. You know, the, those, those conflicts don't tend to adhere to the date ranges we've ascribed to them. But having done some study of that, one of the only ways that mm-hmm. communities can heal from this type of divisive trauma is engaging in dialogue. And that's not happening right now. Yeah. Um, for mm-hmm. many reasons. And I don't blame people who are mar- in, in marginalized communities who are com- continually oppressed for not having those conversations. That's not the job of the oppressed person to educate the oppressor. In Northern Ireland, one of the ways that uh, conflict workers, because conflict resolution and peace studies is an entire like discourse that you can go and study and, and be involved in and people who are good at conflict resolution go into these areas of cultural conflict, which is what we're experiencing in the United States. We're experiencing a cultural war um, based on race, which is a white invention, right? So it's really this white cultural war on the rest of the world, like white people versus everybody, I guess. Like, I don't know what their end game is, you know, but in Northern Ireland, after this cultural war, Mm -hmm. one of the only things that healed these communities were these story circles, where people from both sides would sit around and tell, talk about their trauma and process their trauma and grieve and apologize and, you know, reconcile that reconciliation. There's a reason why we call it restorative justice, you know, and I don't know what restorative Mm -hmm. justice looks like in a climate like this, because quite frankly, I, I'm scared and I feel like people just don't want me to exist. And that's a scary, that's a scary thought. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pence wants to kill the gays. So people who have the privilege of saying that they don't think that things will get Mm -hmm. better or things will change or things don't need Mm -hmm. to change or things don't need to Mm -hmm. get better or not to worry. Oh, like that's a privilege. And like you and I and other people Mm -hmm. Like, minorities yeah. don't get that privilege. Minorities definitely don't get that privilege. I mean, I'm, and I might not claim my true identity. Yeah. I might have to stay in the closet. Because if I do register as a trans person, which is an option yeah. in Oregon, shout out to Oregon. Governor Kate Brown is awesome, um, except she does love the popo. So there's that. I feel like that's such a common trope mm-hmm. with powerful female political figures is that they have to love the police. Like, they have to have a strong relationship with the police, mm-hmm. or there's this idea that they're soft. Like, Kamala is also kind of like one of these authoritarian yeah. lookers. Like, I love her. I'm glad that she's going to be in office hopefully soon. Yeah. Well, she has an unfavorable relationship with law enforcement. Well, I know a lot of people who, you know, yeah. call her Cop Mala yeah. and, you know, and that- hate her, but... Well, I honestly don't know how to feel. I'm trying to feel like I have to agree with 100% of everybody because I don't usually agree with any percent of anyone. I'm usually just a dick to everybody. (laughs) And I don't really Mm -hmm. expect moral purity from people who have to make decisions for millions of other people. That being said, I do hope, the only thing I can hope is that regardless of the things that I've seen in her past, and quite frankly, Joe Biden, Jim Crow Joe was... You know, he's colloquially known in the activist circles um, who's responsible for mass incarceration and some other horrible things. You know, the only thing that I can hope from these people is that when they get to this stage, they are put under a spotlight that makes them behave. 
And I don't expect them to want to do it. I don't expect anybody mm-hmm. to want to treat trans people better because they want to treat trans people better. It's something that is only done under the scrutiny mm-hmm. of a microscope. And my only hope is that we can keep that microscope yeah. on this administration as we rebuild, if we get the chance to rebuild post-Trump, rebuilding the world mm-hmm. that we deserved, that our childhood selves deserved when we grew up thinking anything was mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any closing thoughts on the election? Yeah. Yeah. I just keep thinking about like the fact that mm. reproductive rights and mm. LGBTQIA plus rights, basic human rights, minority rights, like yeah. basic human rights are on the line and like democracy is yeah. teetering on the edge. Really? It's just of yeah. falling apart. And pretty much ask any Democrat and they're like, we're fighting for democracy. As they're lining their pockets. And well, yeah, but like ask any like American mm-hmm, Democrat mm-hmm. that's like, like a not citizen, politic, yeah. like a citizen of America. No, I mean, not saying they're pol- politicians are human citizens, skin. but like yes. the lay people, <laughs> they're, they're fighting for democracy and fighting for mm-hmm. rights and mm-hmm. justice. And it's just beyond me how there's so many people, especially yeah. Republicans, that vote with Looking their wallet. Looking at you, Lil Wayne. They don't vote with Looking their heart. Looking at you, Lil Wayne. And, like, people would say, like, <laughs> well, like, oh, God. But they would, um, they they vote. And I, I was talking to somebody, literally talking to somebody, and I don't remember if they voted for Trump or not, but they're saying, like, voting with their wallet versus voting with their heart. And they're like, I don't think I can mm. live with myself if I voted for Trump yeah. right now. Bully for and you. I'm like, well, thank God, but like, you still are yeah. tempted. Yeah, it's like you understand that he. It's not going to change right. anything. Like your you, finances are not in jeopardy. If you're privileged like, enough, regardless of who you vote for, and have these thoughts and think, I, I don't feel comfortable voting for Biden. I can understand the the far radical anarchist left. There are people who despise Joe Biden and refuse to vote in the political process at all because it's failed them. Mostly, like. I think a lot of indigenous people and a lot of people who have been traumatized by the mm-hmm. system and I don't fucking blame them. That's a different story. If you say fuck the system because it's continually oppressed you yeah, for that's generations, a really story. you're not obligated by anyone to do anything. But my brother being a very privileged white man, mm-hmm. for him to not understand the repercussions of one, how that would affect me as he's you know, telling me about this, laughing, thinking it's like this great joke that he's like gotten away with something. Right, because he didn't want to have to make the grown-up choice and think, oh, if I vote for Biden, then people might not like me. If I vote for Trump, I can't vote for Trump. He's gross. But I can't vote for for mm-hmm. Biden because I don't support him. What do you mean by not support him? You know, what do you what what is what does Joe Jorgensen offer you mm-hmm. that Biden does not, other than a way to say, ha ha, fuck you, I'm edgy. You're not, bitch. You're not edgy. Nobody thinks you're edgy for your third party vote. There's the quote from the podcast. Nobody thinks you're edgy for your third party vote. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think <laughs> Biden will win. Biden will win. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not as concerned about that. It's going to be a long week, though. Knock on wood. Do you want to know something fun? Knock on wood. To, to close with before, before we do our like formal close, do you want to know something what? fun? The term knock on wood is a tradition from Norse mythology because 
uh, trees are very sacred in Norse mythology and uh, people believe that spirits live within the trees. And so when you're in, in, you're in trouble and you knock on wood, mm-hmm. you call upon the spirits for your, their help. So please, spirits. Wow. <laughs> Runs into a forest. Help us. Fists, just yeah, countries. Help us. Oh. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening to this week's episode of The Morning Pod. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram uh, if we ever manage to post. I think we're at Morning Pod on Twitter and at, at Morning Announcements on Instagram. But MorningAnnouncements.com will definitely have that information. <laughs> yeah. Next week, we're talking about one of our all-time favorite topics. Food! Food. We're talking about our favorite indulgences and the best recipes for Thanksgiving. Yes, Thanksgiving. Oh my god. The most problematic of American holidays. With unfortunately one of the best menus. So uh, stay tuned for the next episode of The Morning Announcements. Morning.